It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we talked about Jermaine Johnson before the draft because everybody knew that the Jets had plenty of interest in him. And so after the Jets drafted the pass rusher out of Florida State, Decided to do a follow-up show. C.J. Wilson from the Unconquered Talk podcast came on to talk about Jermaine Johnson before the draft. But now we can dig in deeper since he's officially a Jet. C.J., thanks so much for coming back on the show, man. No, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. So let's start with Jermaine Johnson in high school. And I was telling you this before we started recording, but I didn't know Mike Grant was the head coach at Eden Prairie High School where Jermaine Johnson went to high school and grew up in Minnesota. And Mike Grant is the son of NFL legend Bud Grant, who was the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings back in the 1970s when they went to a bunch of Super Bowls. And so that's where his whole football journey really begins. And CJ, we know now, and this is an established fact, but we're going to talk about it a little bit through the lens of Mike Grant. The big problem for Jermaine Johnson in high school at Eden Prairie was not his level of play. He probably would have gotten a scholarship, no problem, just based on that. His problem was grades. And what happened was he had a 1.9 GPA in high school. Mike Grant, his coach, told him over and over again, Jermaine, you've got the talent to be a scholarship level player, but you've got to get your grades up. You've got to start paying attention in class. You have got to be a better student. And Jermaine, like a lot of high school kids who are focused on things other than school, said, nah, screw that. I don't care. And it's not that he necessarily couldn't have achieved, because as we'll talk about later, he certainly did in the classroom once he got to college, but he just had no interest in it. And because of that, his grades were so low that he was academically ineligible and ended up getting no Division One scholarship offers. So this is his first real taste of humble pie. Yeah, um, and it is crazy because a lot of athletes kind of go through that the hard way. I mean, even myself, it's, it's crazy that you mentioned that out of high school. I had to... Um, had had to have the humble pie in regards to learning the hard in in the sense of grades and GPA. My GPA wasn't below two point but it wasn't quite enough to get qualified uh, for the NCAA uh, clearinghouse with the with the sliding scale on my test score. So I had to go the prep school route prior to going to Bethune Cookman. So I, I definitely seen this story before, um, and I also seen the story go the wrong way. Also, where kids go JUCO because. Like I think we discussed this on the last pod, on the last podcast. JUCO is is doggy dog. It only only the, only the tough make it out of JUCO. So I've seen um, players not have the grades in high school and go to the JUCO ranks and not make it through JUCO because of how tough it was. And you have Jermaine on the flip end. He he took that hard lesson and he learned from it, becoming the number one player out of out of JUCO once this time came. 
And that time would begin in Independence, Kansas, which was a long way from home. And it was not what he had envisioned. He thought he was going to be getting a Division One scholarship. But instead, as we said, he eats the humble pie and he goes with Jason Brown, who was the head coach at Independence College in Kansas and who is legendary for being one of the best junior college coaches in the country. He convinces Jermaine Johnson, come with me and I will get you to the point where you will get a Division One scholarship as long as you put in the work. And so Jermaine Johnson this time around decides he screwed up his first opportunity. He's not going to let it happen again. So he goes with Coach Jason Brown to Independence. They just so happen to be filming the show Last Chance You, which Jermaine Johnson said he didn't really want any part of. He was obviously a part of it. If you watch the show, you know that. But he didn't really want to be focused on. And he could have been focused on a lot more. If you watch the show, you realize that for a guy who was the best player on that team, he wasn't nearly the focal point that he could have been on that show. So he goes there and he decides he's going to buckle down on his studies and he's going to become not just the best football player he can be, but the best man he can be and the best student he can be. And all of a sudden now, his GPA is above a 3.0, which proves that he is not just some dumb jock who can't achieve in the classroom. He just was unmotivated. Now that he's motivated, he's able to get those grades. So it shows that he's the sharp kid that his head coach in high school, Mike Grant, thought that he was and thought that he was capable of proving he could be in the classroom. And then he goes out and he achieves two incredible levels at Independence in Kansas. He becomes, as you said, the best junior college player in the country through two seasons There's a scene in the show, and if you go back and watch it, you'll see where he makes an incredible play to save a game and preserve a victory for the team when one of its rivals was driving down the field to try and steal a victory. So Jermaine Johnson decides that he's going to swallow his pride, go all the way to Independence, Kansas. He's going to improve his grades, and he's going to become that best version of himself on the football field as well, and he does it. Jason Brown helps him get there, and he becomes the top junior college player in the country. As you said, CJ, it's very easy to go the other way, to have your dreams crushed, to lose all motivation, and to get swallowed up in JUCO, but instead, Jermaine Johnson thrives and becomes the best in the country. Yeah, so it's just a testament to to his hard work and dedication to his craft and, and and realizing his faults the first time and just realizing how bad he wanted it in the first place. You know, once you get stuck into that a situation like that, the the bell, the uh the light can kinda of go into your head, so to speak, and you can realize, you know, everything that you had can be that you could possibly take for granted can be taken from you. And the harder you work, you can achieve all your goals. You and there's nothing that can really stop you. So if you put the uh, the same the same work ethic and the same mindset that you put on the athletic side and to the academic side, you can accomplish big things. And that's exactly what Jermaine did at Independence, like I said, becoming the number one player in the country. Going back to his high school coach, we said the talent wasn't an issue. You know, you, you, you have everything it takes to be a scholarship player. So once the talent, once the hard work and talent came together and, and the, um, his, his body developed also, he was a small kid coming out of high school. We got to remember that he was on like 213 pounds. Got the independence, uh, worked his butt off in the weight room. So once all of that came together along with the academic side, that's where we got the number one player in the country. And he got an opportunity to play with his brother at Independence as well. His brother, who had seen his own dreams dashed, he was trying to earn his way 
to Division One, but he had to step away from the community college he was going to to come home and work full time because their mother had been in an accident. So somebody had to be around to take care of her. But eventually, Jason Brown comes and gets Vidal and reunites him with Jermaine and the two brothers play together. Very close knit relationship there with Jermaine Johnson, his brother and his mom. And it helped motivate him too because as we said, he got to be the number one Juco player in the country. And this is where the journey gets interesting and he starts on the road to where he is now. He's at a showcase at the University of Kansas for junior college players and he gets called to the office of the head coach of the University of Kansas and they tell him they want to offer him a scholarship, full ride to go to the University of Kansas. And Jermaine Johnson said at that moment he broke down and started crying because this is everything he always wanted. But then he stopped and thought about it and said, you know what? As great as this moment is, it's not going to be my only offer. So I have to compose myself. I know I'm going to get offers from other places. I'm the number one ranked Juco player in the country. But at that moment is when Jermaine Johnson realized he had arrived and, as you said, hadn't been swallowed up by the Juco bubble. Yeah, so getting that first scholarship offer, man, it's, 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 it's no feeling like it. Like, like Jermaine said, many, many more came after that, but we're not highlighting the other ones. He's highlighting that first one, even though it's from, from University of Kansas. Not a strong football program, but at the same time, it's a D1 offer, Big 12. It's something you've been working for, like you just said, and once you actually get that offer, no matter where it's from, it's just a life-changing experience and, and, and um, you know, a great feeling in regards to all of the hard work that you put in classroom, uh, football, classroom, fit, the practice field, weight room, whatever it may be, uh, paying off and, you, and, you, and you're getting your dividend in regards to the scholarship. So it's definitely a blessing and, and it's nothing like that first that first scholarship. And it's a big moment for him as he should cherish that one. So that one should be, or well, it probably is in how he speaks about it, up there with the, the Georgia offer and the FSU offer, you know, getting that first one from Kansas. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. CJ, as we said, Kansas was the first, but they were not going to be the last school that would make an offer of a full scholarship to Jermaine Johnson. But Jermaine Johnson knew that no matter who offered him scholarships, there was one place he wanted to go. And it wasn't necessarily because of the school. It was because of one person. When he was a junior college player, there was a coach named Dan Lanning, who if you know anything about college football, you know him well. He's currently about to become the head coach of the Oregon Ducks, taking over for Mario Cristobal, who CJ, as you well know, is about to take over as the head coach at the University of Miami. But Dan Lanning, when he came to watch Independence, he was a position coach at Memphis, and he really took uh -huh. a liking to Jermaine Johnson, and they became close. And Johnson said to him, I really like you. I want to play for you someday. And Dan Lanning looked at him and said, I have a feeling that's not going to be a problem. Neither one of those two ever forgot that. So when Jermaine Johnson became the top Juco player in the country, and he had all these offers, he got an offer from Georgia, where Dan Lanning was now a position coach. And he decided that he wanted to go all the way to Georgia from Kansas. This wasn't Minnesota. This wasn't Kansas. He was going to go halfway across the country to go play for Georgia because he believed in Dan Lanning and Dan Lanning believed in him. And this is a theme that we're going to get into when it comes to Florida State. You know this well, CJ, as it pertains to relationships with coaches. But Dan Lanning and Jermaine Johnson made that connection when he was at Independence, and it would pay off for both parties as he gets a full scholarship to the University of Georgia. Lanning gets his man, and Jermaine Johnson gets to play for the guy that he trusted the most. And it's crazy. You mentioned that as far as you know, Dan Lanning, and he recruited him back at Memphis. 
because the head coach at that time, and was the head coach of the uh, Memphis Tigers, was Mike Norville, the, head, the current mm-hmm. head coach at FSU. That you know, that helped recruit um, Jermaine Johnson to FSU. Not jumping ahead, but it's just crazy that you mentioned that as far as where the relationship kicked off and the head coach at that point in time was, in fact, Mike Norville. So yeah, you get you get an offer from Georgia, um, come to an elite program, bit one of the well, probably second best program in the SEC. Kirby Smart's doing a terrific job in molding that in the likes of what Nick Saber did at, at Alabama. So you come to Georgia, it's talent everywhere, um, great, great facilities, great everything. Um, and you, you get there, you play. But you, you're not playing how you sh- how you want to play. So Jermaine is playing there, but he's a rotational guy. Everyone knows the talent that Georgia has. Hell, I mean, I, I, I don't know the numbers. You may know the numbers, Scott, but um, they had like three or four defensive linemen going the first round, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So just shows you how lo- – and if you want to include Jermaine within that because they recruited him also, you know, but just shows you how loaded that team was. Jermaine was very productive at Georgia, but just in a limited role. Well, and the interesting thing there, too, is that Jermaine Johnson was the number one JUCO recruit in the country – but Georgia also got the number one high school recruit in the country on defense. A gentleman who you may have heard of, CJ, his name is N'Kobe Dean. So they got N'Kobe Dean and Jermaine Johnson the same offseason. And Jermaine Johnson goes in there. And like you said, he was a rotational player, very good player, effective when in there, but was playing less than 30 snaps a game. And so even though he was somebody that was producing for Georgia, he felt like he needed the opportunity to show what he could do on a broader level and be a starter and be somebody that played the majority of snaps. And it wasn't going to happen for him at Georgia. This wasn't necessarily anything against him. It was because, as you said, look at the guys that got drafted off of that defensive line. You had Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis. That defense is one of the best defenses in college football of the last two decades. We saw all the players from there that ended up getting drafted into the NFL in this past draft. They won the national championship after all. And so he decides he's going to enter the transfer portal. And CJ, he picks Florida State. Now, why does he pick Florida State? Two reasons. The first reason is because growing up, he remembered really enjoying Dalvin Cook. That was his guy. And he loved the Florida State program. The second reason is because you mentioned it before. Mike Norvell reached out to him and said, I need you here at Florida State. I really believe in you. I think you can do big things here. I need you to help me resurrect this program. He believed that Jermaine Johnson was going to be one of the key pieces of the puzzle to helping Florida State get back to where they had been. And CJ, you know this painfully well. Florida State has been going through a down period. They are not the Florida State that they had been years past, going to national championships, competing at the highest levels. This has not been the best period for Florida State. So Jermaine Johnson feels like he can get in on the ground floor, help resurrect this program that he was a fan of as a kid. And he had that connection with Mike Norvell, who he said did a fantastic job of convincing him to come to Tallahassee. Yeah, so... Mike, Mike, Mike had the perfect pitch, and he was 100% right. Come be a cornerstone in regards to rebuilding Florida State. When you rebuild Florida State and, and people talk about, you know, the players that, that, that got us back to where we were, the players that got us back to the, early, the, the glory days, the, um, you know, just the, the building blocks, the pillars for the Mike Norvell era and just rebuilding Florida State, it's going to be Jermaine Johnson. That's going to be the name that pops in your head. He's going to be the guy that you think of the most, not just because of the play on the field, but just his attitude and everything he brought to the program. He brought a winning mentality to the program coming from Georgia. He brought a worksman mentality coming from Georgia. And just not necessarily, you know, we're going to say we're going to be great. We're going to do this and do that. But you have to actually do things and you got to prepare yourself in order to be great. 
And we, as a team, FSU, did, we, we didn't have that. They, they didn't have those type of guys or as far as who to look look towards in a situation like that. So you, you bring in Jermaine Johnson, who not only is a pillar in regards to, you know, his play on the field, but just everything he done from a leadership standpoint. So Mike Novell pitched that message home to Jermaine, and it worked. I mean, you go from uh, playing at Georgia where, you know, you can, you can be a guy, you can – be a guy winning national championship may may go first round have limited st- limited well not limited stats you have shared stats but you won't be a guy that possibly will be remembered forever at Georgia. Uh, Mike Norvell pitched that hey you could be a legend at Florida State um, and once you're eleven at Florida, at Florida State man you love forever and Jermaine witnessed that you know within his one season uh, this fan base is really passionate when it comes to the guys that give their all to, to on the field and Jermaine Johnson was that and everything Mike Norvell pitched to him within that time frame was 100% true. What's crazy to me, CJ, is that here's a guy coming in as a transfer, and yes, he was older, so he had more experience, more seasoning, a couple of years at the JUCO level, and a couple of years with Georgia, so it's not like he was coming in as a freshman, but still brand new to the program, and yet Mike Norvell and the defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller, who I joked with you before we started recording, makes me think of 21 Jump Street, because that was the name of the captain on 21 Jump Street, played by Stephen Williams, Adam Fuller. They trusted... Jermaine Johnson immediately to be the leader of the defense, which is crazy to me. Again, I know he's older and he's got experience, but still, he's never set foot on the field for Florida State, and they're already looking at him to lead the defense. Tell me about what you remember about this. Was this sort of a surprise to Florida State fans at the time that they were going to lean so heavily on this new guy? No, not at all, because the year before, we lost two defensive ends to the draft, and uh, Joshua Kane, though, in the fourth round. And we also lost Janoris Robinson in the fourth round, two defensive ends that went in the fourth round for FSU prior. So it was a very, it was it was a huge uh, need for defensive end. And even with those two guys, um, the pass rush just wasn't there. Neither one of them had either uh, five 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 plus sacks um, individually. So we still need a big need for a pass rush that we haven't had since Brian Burns uh, went to the NFL a couple of years ago. So that's been a big void for the FSU defense, something that we have been desperately looking for. And Jermaine Johnson fit that build into to your point about the leadership, to be quite honest with you, man, the, 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 the previous classes prior to Jermaine Johnson, they just weren't good leaders on the field. And the young guys at Florida State at the time didn't have a good example of what leadership really is, what, of, of, what, of how the upperclassmen in the program should carry themselves as far as example for the, for the um, underclassmen to follow suit. If you have a program, a, a built-in program, say, for instance, let's, let's use Alabama for an example. There's a standard at Alabama, the culture is set. Nick, State, Nick Saban has set that culture. The players understand that culture. So once you have a culture set, it's like a, it's like an ever-ending cycle. You have the seniors, the juniors, the upperclassmen that kind of govern everything as far as how the head coach wants the program to be ran. They govern everything as far as the team, um, the kids younger than them. And you have the freshmen, they follow in line with those upperclassmen, see how the program is ran, it ran, and just follow behind them and get in line with the program as it realigns within the players going through the cycle. So fast forward a couple of years, those freshmen become upperclassmen. They know how the program is ran. They do the same thing to those freshmen. With Florida State on the flip end, we haven't had that. We, we've had some down years, and in, in, in it's, it's been due to talent, but it's also been due to uh, this player's player mentality and attitudes and not really want to be held accountable and not doing things the right way in order to win. So we needed that Jermaine Johnson, that, that, that outside voice, so to speak, from a program like Georgia, 
Um, that's pretty weird, real ran, ran by, by Kirby Smart in the right way, um, image of Nick Saban. And he brought what we needed to FSU as far as how to be winners. We didn't know how to be winners. Um, now, we did have a five and seven season. We started on four last year, but we finished the um, the rest of the season. We finished the, the last eight games of the season, five and eight, and we competed in every one of those games. And I really believe that attitude of how to be a winner and how and learning how to be a winner started with Jermaine Johnson and trickled down to the other guys. So, no, it wasn't a surprise for FSU fans from that point of view as far as him coming in and dominating play on the field and coming in and being a leader from day one. We kind of knew that the locker room, as far as um, a mindset, needed some work. And Jermaine Johnson brought the, uh, the exact type of work we needed as far as positive reinforcement and positive attitude. It's crazy to me that he became such a culture changer there and such a difference maker because this really ended up being such a Cinderella story. Think about it. Here's a kid, CJ, that is told at Eden Prairie, you're not good enough. You don't have the grades to even qualify. So he has to go all the way to Kansas to a JUCO school to try and earn his shot. And not only does he earn his shot, but along the way, he becomes the number one Juco player. And then he goes to Georgia and he's told, you're good, you're a nice rotational piece, but you're just not good enough to be the full-time starter. And he says, nope, I'm going to find a way to prove that I'm more than just a rotational piece. So he transfers to Florida State. He goes there and he ends up completely changing the culture there, flipping things upside down, helping to push the needle forward for them for the future, being a total leader. And becoming the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, ultimately a first-round draft pick in the NFL. In a lot of ways, Jermaine Johnson personifies the guy who is told, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't, and shakes it off and overachieves at every step of the way. Not because he didn't necessarily have the talent, but just because his circumstances dictated that it was going to be an uphill battle. And it was an uphill battle that he was able to win every single time so far. Yeah, so if you have um, a definition in the book as far as, you know, the American dream, so to speak, or keep working hard, everything will pay off. You do things the right way, it'll pay off in the long run. You have a picture of Jermaine Johnson because that's exactly what happened within this situation. Going from Georgia, um, well, like you said, just all the steps going from high school, JUCO, Georgia, things not turning out at Georgia, then you go into a losing program at Florida State, not really knowing what you're getting to. Uh, within one year, you win ACC Defensive Player of the Year, multiple All-American awards. Um, you're getting your you're getting your 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 name. Your name is going to be lived on forever because you're getting a brick, a, a brand new brick outside of Doe Camel Stadium with your name on it. I'm highlighting your Hall of, Hall of Fame career. I mean, sorry, not your Hall of Fame career. It could very well possibly be that down the line, down the line, but your All-American career at FSU, and then you go on to the, uh, be a first-round draft pick, and you do all of that within one year. So it's just a community. Uh, it's crazy. It's, it's it's the best of, best of both worlds, actually. You know, you got to have the grind, the hard process of going through everything we just said, and then, boom, like a flip of a switch. Within one year, everything changes for you, and it goes uh, direct, uh, exactly how you plan for it all along. So, yeah, shout out to Jermaine Johnson for staying the course and just working hard, man, because it's it's just a testament to his work. And I and I go back to when he first even enrolled in at FSU. When you go, you got the February workouts, January workouts. The tone was set then, man. How he worked hard in the weight room was the example. Was one of one one of the examples I was talking about with showing the players how it should be done, what winners do, and what you and what winners do. And if you want to win, these are the steps you have to take in order to win. So when you have your best player on the team leading by example, working hard, being first in sprints, giving his last as far as reps on squats or bench press, that type of deal. It's a trickle down effect, man, and, and I'm a I'm a real component of 
uh, hard work pays off and, and you're going to get rewarded for your hard work um, one way or another. And Jermaine Johnson is definitely a testament to that. And, and he'll be forever entrenched as a Seminole. I mean, we talk about one year at FSU, but within that one year, he's been he's been endeared within Seminole fans' hearts. He's a legend. We love him forever. I mean, it's something that that it's hard to fathom when you think about it in the grand scheme to be a legend at, at a school like FSU within one year. But that just shows the type of talent and also the type of uh, man, the type of man Jermaine Johnson is himself in regards to you know what type of person he is. He, he's just that type of guy. So just definitely getting the good one in Jermaine Johnson. And I, I can't say, I can't say enough good, good things about the guy, man. He, he he's just loved in Seminole fans heart, uh, hearts, not by just by his play on the field, but how he carried himself off the field and the work ethic he did on the field. He left everything on the field. Didn't take a playoff. Yeah. It's just nothing. It's nothing that we can say, Oh, Jermaine Johnson. Um, I, as far as Jermaine Johnson, something he could say as far as his FSU career, I regret this. I regret that. He left everything on the table, um, and, and the results showed. A great story of a player who finally got to where he had wanted to be all along. It took years of hard work and perseverance, the exact type of attitude that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are looking for for this locker room. I'm looking forward to watching him play, and I'm really glad that our friend C.J. Wilson from the Unconquered Talk podcast could come back on and shed some more light on the journey of Jermaine Johnson, help us more with this deep dive into where Jermaine Johnson came from, and also, of course, all the stories along the way that helped produce that journey. CJ, thank you so much for coming on again. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out what you're doing, I know it's not just the Unconquered Talk podcast. You've got that show going on where you cover all the big Florida programs, plus your presence on social media. Talk a little bit about how people can find you on social media and listen to your podcasts. Yeah, so you can uh, follow me on Twitter at CJWilson850. And also, um, if you're a fan of Florida football or just good football talk in general, the roll up is where you can find me at again the roll up and that's a podcast of florida state fan not sorry florida state miami and uf where you have a cum- accumulation of all three schools and we give information from all three schools on every show good bad talk um, crack jokes about each other um rival banter leading up to the season elite guests as far as former players that play within the big three schools and play within those big big time games those classic games like fsu miami or FSU in Florida. So it's um, a really good thing going. So you can follow me on CJ at, on Twitter at CJ Wilson 850 and uh, uh, excuse me, subscribe to the Roll Up Network podcast. Make sure that you follow CJ on Twitter and subscribe to both the Roll Up Network podcast and the Unconquered Talk podcast. And of course, make sure you check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got not one, but two all 22 breakdowns on the channel of the aforementioned Jermaine Johnson. So go ahead and watch those and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's tee And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>